Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to Yoga Healing Podcast, brought to you by Mahat Yoga Studio. We will talk about yoga, postures, thyroid, pranayama, Ayurveda, meditation, chakras, and much, much more. I am very grateful for all of you tuning in today, and my hope is to inspire you to learn more about yoga philosophy and yoga lifestyle and about yourself. Make sure to subscribe to my podcast to get new messages and join Mahat Yoga Facebook page for additional tips. You can catch additional information on my website at www.mahatyoga.com. Enjoy today's message. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad to be back and I'm grateful that you are here with me. I truly hope that you will find some of this information helpful and I wish you all superior health. But first, I want to update everybody on things that are coming up. I have finally piloted my website membership. It will allow me to cover expenses associated with running website and being able to get this information to you. I've been uploading information like crazy and the content will be growing with time. If you have a topics that you're interested to know or interested to hear about, please email me at instructor at mahatyoga.com or on my website, I have a chat that is available. We can connect there and I will be happy to answer any questions you may have. So my website, on my website, actually, I'm trying to create a tribe of people who are interested to know more and learn about yoga and Ayurveda and variety of Ayurvedic products that I offer. The reason I have decided to do it on my website, so I can keep this conversation away from social media and so that everyone can have a sense of privacy. Anyway, once again, if you'd like to chat, visit my website at www.mahatyoga.com and let's connect. Today, I actually wanted to talk about sprint attacks, but I realized that it is very difficult to dig, to kind of dig deep without an explanation of doshas. So I decided in the next few episodes to talk about Ayurveda and doshas. There is a lot to talk about, so I will try to be short and sweet and to the point. And of course, more information will be provided on my website. Ayurveda and yoga are both Veda sciences. Yoga is a practical side and Ayurveda is a healing side. They're pretty much inseparable. According to Ayurveda, the entire universe essentially derives from three original powers. Power of energy, power of light and matter. Energy is the origin of the life force. Light is the origin of the mind. It is where we can see and know and identify things. In matter is the basics of the body. All three work through elements. Energy works through air, which is active in nature and stimulates things. Light and intelligence function through element of fire. And matter is functioning and, and is dominated by element of water. Remember, our body is nearly 70% water. These three forces, energy, light, and matter, that consist of air, fire, and water, when infused with prana, which is considered to be a life force, create three doshas, 
or three constitutions, Vata, Kappa, and Pitta. These doshas also correlate with air for Vata, with fire for Pitta, and with water for Kappa. Our bodies have all three dosha, all three doshas, but a different percentage, if I may say it that way. If one of the three doshas has a higher percentage in your body, it becomes dominant dosha, and it will determine basic constitution of your body type. If you've been to my workshops, you already know your dominant dosha, and if you don't, email me at instructor at mahatyoga.com, and I will email you short quiz that will help you to determine. Also, you may be able to find those quizzes easily on the internet, And of course, if you're interested, I can suggest and email you some books, some really great material that can point you in the right direction. So our doshas correspond to our individual habits, our bodily structure, and our emotional responses. In the practice of yoga, it is very important to know our dominant doshas so that we could understand better what type of yoga what type of asana, level of intensity, uh, time of the day, and what is proper for our bodies and how it affects multiple bodies that we have. In addition, doshas will help us understand how our mind is functioning and will help us to adapt practices according to our individual requirements. Believe it or not, according to Vedas, we should practice asana, pranayamas, and meditation only according to our specific dosha constitution requirements. And I'm going to tell you out of personal experience, I have a very high pita, so I have a very high fire. I'm constantly hot. I absolutely cannot do hot yoga. And I cannot practice outside during the hot weather. Going back to doshas in Ayurveda, doshas have counterparts in other systems of medicine, particularly those with naturalistic or energetic basics. Kappa and Pita are very much like the concept of yin and yang in traditional Chinese medicine. Kappa and yin, both cold, moist, and heavy. Pita and yang are both hot and light. And Kappa and yin make up the body fluids and tissues, while Pita and yang are responsible for digestion and perception. Now, subdoshas, I'm sorry, doshas have five subdoshas, and we will talk about those in later podcasts because today I just want to concentrate on the main principles. And I truly believe that uh, for us to know our dominant dosha helps us with lifestyle management and disease prevention. According to Ayurveda, for maintaining health and curing disease, the three doshas should be stable. When they are out of balance, they can actually cause problems within the body. The main principle of Ayurveda is likes increase likes and opposites cure. So essentially, if you, for example, have too much pita or fire, you may consider consuming cooling herbs and practice asanas that don't increase internal heat and support your body by consuming cooling foods. When all of our three doshas that we have are balanced and in natural and appropriate proportion, this 
stage is called equilibrium and that's how we should try and keep our body and mind this way we are at our healthiest more energetic more productive however if any of three doshas or two of three doshas increase in their normal proportion then that stage calls aggravated stage and that may cause some problems for us create lack of energy etc and we also can deal with the decreased stage that's when some of our doshas actually decreased from their normal proportion essentially it is impossible to wrap up 5000 years of knowledge in 15 minutes podcast so that was just a quick summary on a side note ayurveda was born 5000 years ago in himalayas when sages got together and decided to share their healing experiences that's how ayurveda was born ayur stands for longevity and veda translates into a science so basically basically they created this manual for us since our body didn't come with the instructions on how to use it with that said in ayurveda we call people pita people kapha people or vata people depending on their dominant constitution and let's briefly talk about each dosha vata dosha which literally means wind the organs related are ears skin and its motor organs are speech and hands when it's super windy and cold outside in the fall and the winter you know we can have a dry skin so it constitutes too much vata inside out vata people are actually normally very slender because vata is air so it just goes through essentially vata people should not skip their yoga practices during fall time when it's really windy outside essentially people who have too much vata are often moving quickly and sometimes their minds also racing very quickly another quality of vata is cold so for vata people suggested slow and mindful movements grounding poses and physical focus on the lower back hips and thighs as well as stimulating digestion and the poses like three pose warrior two forward bend half lord of fishes are all very good poses for vata people people with predominant vata dosha will have um, really chopped dry skin low body weight they may not like cold or wind at all they may have a very interrupted light sleep and of course excessive thinking and worrying if we talk about the diet for vata vata should have foods that are naturally sweet sour and salty in taste warm foods and warming spices like ginger, black pepper, cinnamon, but not extremely hot spices like cayenne pepper. Plenty of warm drinks and herbal teas, of course, because vata is also associated with cold. And if we talk about a principle where likes increase likes and opposites cure, just because of cold and wind, we want to add more warming, more grounding food a generous amount of high quality oils ghee and eating meals consistently each day what water should avoid it's foods that are bitter 
astringent and pungent. Foods that are cooling. You don't want to add, you know, it's just going to increase the, the cold. Dry and light foods like popcorn and crackers, big no-no. Too much raw food, especially in the morning or evening, like salads, carrot sticks, um, that, that's a big no. You're just going to increase cold and wind in your digestion and in your body with those sorts of foods. So probably avoid also cold and carbonated drinks. Any caffeine, nicotine, and other stimulants, overheating or eating very heavy meals, and food and drinks that contain refined sugar or corn syrup. Essentially, there's just too much to talk about, and we will need to have a separate podcast for each dosha, where we can discuss each dosha and dosha and sub-doshas in detail. But for now, I just want to you know, stick to the basics so that if you are interested in this topic, you know what to look for and, you know, what to go and read about. With that said, let's move on to pita. Pita essentially represents a fire and it's a power of digestion or power of cooking. And pita is responsible for all forms of transformation in the body, starting from cellular level to gastrointestinal. The main qualities of pita are oily, sharp, hot, light. And pita's signs of imbalance would be an excessive anger, criticism, short temper. Pitas can be workaholics. They do have a lot of skin problems such as eczema. And of course, hot flashes and migraine. Too much fire, essentially. <laughs> And pita should be avoiding spicy foods. Pita is already hot and sharp by nature, so any addition of heating foods will only increase the fire. Heating foods will will also increase inflammation, ulceration, and acidity in the system. So pita should avoid all of that altogether. Some of those foods would be tomatoes, citrus fruits, sour fruits, vinegar, garlic, fermented foods, Tabasco sauce, for example, cayenne pepper, black pepper. And me personally, as being a high pita, I'm going to tell you, if you are high pita and you avoid all of those spices, you will instantly feel 100% better. Essentially for pita, it's also suggested to eat more cooling foods. When the fire is high, cooling foods are a great option for turning down the heat. Some great cooling foods choices include the coconut. You can drink coconut water. Um, you can use coconut oil for cooking. Also cilantro, parsley, ghee, organic whole milk, watermelons, cucumbers, bitter greens, basmati rice, dates, sweet mango, and avocado. They're all excellent. And of course, when it comes to practicing yoga, a slow down, a child's pose, a mountain pose, a cat-cow, revolve chair, and a boat pose. They're excellent poses for anyone who has a very high pita constitution. Compared to vata people, pita people are normally a medium build. They can be really muscular. 
Essentially, I am really short, so everybody is different from that perspective. And let's finally talk about a couple people. Kappa means that which makes things stick together. And kappa is located in chest and throat versus vata that is located in the colon and pita that is located in the digestive tract. Common signs of high kappa or what we call kappa imbalance is laziness, kind of sluggish uh, mind, sinus congestions, uh, low digestive fire, kappas, if the kappa is really high, you might deal with sleeplessness, um, maybe dealing with extra weight, and um, high cholesterol, possibly. Kappa people generally have a really physical body that is solid, and they can be really stocky. Each part of the body will be thriving from excess. They can have a thick hair, large sweet eyes, full lips. A cup of personality is absolutely loving and welcoming. Meanwhile, let's not to forget that each dosha has five subdoshas like we talked a little bit earlier today. And of course, we will talk about it later. But for now, I just wanted uh, to stress out that subdoshas also affect our body type, our personalities, and our imbalances. An imbalance in kappa diet can be caused by uh, pretty much overindulging. The necessities for kappa type include a light and warm foods. And kappas should essentially reduce juicy sweet vegetables like tomatoes, sweet potatoes, and squashes. And to help bring their digestive system back to its original strength, a kappa could drink digestive teas such as a ginger and supplement it with cayenne pepper or cinnamon. A kappa out of balance may feel extremely unmotivated, so the yoga routine should... They prefer to have a restorative yoga, but essentially to pacify the feeling, Akapas should add invigorating and stimulating yoga poses like plank, chaturanga dandasana, sun salutation, spinal twist, a shoulder stand, and Kapas should just go at it. With that said, when doshas are out of balance, Outside of diet, yoga, and Ayurveda and pranayama, we use Tripala. It's an herbal mix, and I personally use it every day. I think it's a magical herb. It has so many benefits. It's absolutely crazy. It consists of amala, which is a herb that is rich on the vitamin C, essential minerals and amino acids. Babitaki, it also rich in antioxidants and provides anti-inflammatory effects. And hirataki, which is rich in vitamins like C, copper, iron, magnesium, potassium, outside of balancing all three doshas, I, like, like I already said, I think this simply magical herb. It's excellent for your hair. If you have any sorts of hair-related problems, from getting dandruff to severe hair fall leading to balding, Tripala will do amazing things for you. It invigorates the follicles and reinforces the root to support hair development. 
Amla and Tripala is rich in iron and potassium that can reduce the early signs of gray hair. I personally take it every day. I won't leave without this herb. Tripala also will help support um, very healthy weight, weight or reduction in, in weight if needed because it flushes toxins out and invigorates bacteria in your digestive tract. So if you add Tripala to your diet, then you will feel fuller for longer periods of time, which essentially helps with weight management. Tripala also promotes eye health. And nowadays, pretty much everyone works on a computer and eye health is so extremely important. And some other benefits, it improves on oral health, it can act potentially as an anti-cancer. It can help with the weight loss and weight management just because if you take Tripala, it will make you feel fuller and will help to support a healthy bacteria in your gut. Benefits of Tripala are pretty much endless and I can go on forever, but I'm going to stop here. And I think this is a good start uh, for somebody who is looking to try maybe something different in the spring or maybe get their diet on the right track. Spring is a good time to start as a time of change. And that's why I'm here trying to help you to know what options are available to you. With that said, I want to thank you all again for tuning in and spending 20 minutes with me. I am sending you all my love and I wish you all superior health. Till next time, yogis. Namaste.